0: Well, that was such a beautiful prayer. I think we can all just go home now. Um, Thank you. Um, Really, thank you. I'm Janet B. I've recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. And as always, I am just super happy to be with all of you. Um, Tonight, we are talking about amends. Um, And I realize it's probably been about a year since I've done this talk. I usually punt it to Melissa, who does an awesome job of it. But I'm going to take a stab stab at it tonight so if you have your book we're going to start on page 76 so let's set the scene we've done we've realized we're powerless over food and our lives are train wrecks we've come to believe that there is a god and this god can restore us to sanity we've come to trust this god so much that we just say i'm yours take my will take my life and do with me whatever you want Um, and then we start feeling pretty good and then we do an inventory, and we clean up the wreckage of our past. We look at our resentments, our fears, um, how we've hurt others, and then we ask God to remove our defects. Step six and seven, um, we ask God to just come take them away. What a beautiful thing this is, right? We identify our defects, but we don't have the strength to, to uh, get rid of them. It's like if I took rock upon rock upon rock and built this big wall. Once I've built it, I can't knock this wall down. God has to do it. So God knocks down the my wall of defects, if you will. Um, and then here I am. And we end the seven-step prayer saying, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. And what's his bidding that we do next? It's to make amends. So it's one thing to identify all the people in my past I've hurt. It's another thing to go and fix it. And look what we pray for, strength, right? Um, Because this is generally hard. And they warn us, they say, you know, again, faith without works is dead. So it says, let's look at steps eight and nine. Um, So it says, we have a list of all persons we've harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. Okay, where do we get that list? And people do their four-step inventories a lot of different ways. So I'm just going to tell you one way where we can get this list. It's not the be all and end all, the, you know, the absolute, well, I mean, I think it's the best way. Otherwise I wouldn't do it this way. But I'm saying if your sponsor asks you to do it another way, it's okay. So here's what I ask people to do in the harms inventory. Five columns. First column, who I hurt. Second column, what I did. Third column, super important, how that hurt them. Fourth column, what I should have done instead. And then leave the fifth column till we're at step eight. So let me give you some examples. Um, Column one, let's say, Macy's. Column two, what I did, I stole a shirt worth $50. Column three, what was the harm? They're out $50. Then column four, what should I have done instead? Either paid for it or gone without. So that one's a little easy, straightforward. Some are trickier. So let's say um, column one, Joe, what I did. Column two, I punched him in the nose. Column three, how it hurt him. Okay, so this might be different. It could be, I broke his nose and he had a $500 doctor bill. It could be I embarrassed him in front of two of his friends. So that's why it's important to see what the harm is. Um, or for, let's say, my parents, you know, um, who I hurt, my parents, what I did. I mouthed off to them a lot. How did that hurt them? It caused them stress. What I should have done, not mowed off. So, in but in the eighth step, we fill in the last column. And what should the amend be? So, for Macy's, it's go to the store and pay them back fifty dollars. For poor Joe, whose nose I broke, if he had a five hundred dollar doctor bill, and the insurance didn't cover it, I give him the five hundred dollars. If I embarrassed him in front of his friends. Um, I go to Joe and I apologize. And then I make a point of finding those two friends and saying something really good about Joe and tell them how sorry I am for breaking his nose. You see, so that's why it's important to see how did it hurt him. It's a different amend if he had to go to the hospital versus if he was just embarrassed. Parents, if you know I caused them stress, what any parent would love is either a loving conversation or a loving letter and time unstressful time like mom i was a real brat when i was a kid let's go get pedicures i'm treating and then afterwards you know we'll go out for lunch and you know we'll just chat right so we want to see what the harm is and we so it's almost like there's a scale and the heart you know the harm we you know made it go down in this direction. And we wanna do something in the opposite direction to fix it, okay? So we have our list. I had a couple of hard things. Um, And if you've heard my story, know that when I first came around, I said to the person who was to be my sponsor, you know, she told me to read this book and said, are you willing to do it? And I said, yeah, there's this amend I'm not willing to make. Um, I had faked a rape because my boyfriend at the time wasn't paying enough attention to me. So I figured that would get his attention. So I faked a rape, slashed myself up, went to a hospital, went through a fake rape exam. Um, I was not willing to make the amend. And again, this woman said to me, well, can you trust that by the time you get to step eight, you'll be a different person? And I said, okay. And of course, right, because we go through one through seven first. It's not we walk in the door and then we make our amends. So what does it tell us um, what we have to do? It says we attempt to sweep away the debris, which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. Well, that's why I caused all that debris and wreckage, living on self-will, I wanted my boyfriend to pay attention to me. And if he wasn't gonna do it, darn it, I was gonna make him do it. I mean, who could resist a girlfriend who has been raped? But think about all my harm was because of my self-will and trying to run the show. And then they say, it's like, they know how hard this is. They say, if we haven't the will to do this, to make our amends, we ask until it comes. Whenever it says ask, referring to God, it means pray. So we pray like, God, please, I don't want to make this amend. I'm scared. Please give me the willingness. And it says we ask until it comes. It's like a promise. It will come. God will give us the willingness. And then they remind us, remember, you agreed at the beginning, you would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol or for us food. And so that's why it's so important. I think that people really hit bottom, that they really know um, I am powerless and my life is unmanageable because otherwise we're not going to be willing to go to any lengths. Who is going to go through chemo except someone who believes they have cancer that won't get better otherwise? Who is gonna go back to an old boyfriend and contact a hospital to say, I faked a rape unless it's someone who who knows if I don't do this, I'm gonna be back in the food. And that is worse than any embarrassment I could suffer. So they remind us, we, we agreed to be willing to go to any length, And then they kind of give us some tips. They say, okay, don't go in there all high and mighty, like, I've got religion, I've found the Lord, and I've got to fix what I've done wrong. It says, don't do that. We go in there, it, um, it says we might prejudice them, right? Like, I mean, who, who wants to hear that? Like, I've found the Lord, I've seen the light, and now I'm going to make everything right. Hallelujah. It's like, yeah, get out. Um, so they say, no, we don't do that. It says we will prejudice them. So then it tells us why it says we're on the top of 77 at the moment we're trying to put our lives in order right i mean i couldn't keep going on with my life having those faked rapes without fixing them i can't do it um it says but that is not an end in ourself our real purpose right so this is for all you guys who are like me who used to say why am i here why am i here what's my purpose our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So it's interesting, it's like a change starts happening. Until then, we're like running from food, we're running from, but now we start running toward, toward an enhanced relationship with God, toward an ability to be of service to God and others. So things start changing. So I've got to get this work done so that i can really be of use and it says um, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service so sometimes we're not i mean sometimes i sit there and say okay i wish i could you know i could be sponsoring a few more people but like they're not coming people who are desperate aren't coming and i'm trying i'm putting myself out there my job is to fit myself. So I think of my son now. He's um, in ROTC. In a couple months, we find out if he gets contracted to be an officer in the military, which has been his dream for years. Um, and he is now you know, doing all these runs with, they call them rocks on his back, which I don't know, a backpack full of rocks and stuff and he's doing like jumping in a pool with and swimming with stuff on his back and all this training um in case he ever has to go to war that he is fit to do it it's not his job to decide if he's gonna go to war in service of his country it's his job to fit himself so that if he is called he's of service so it's my job to fit myself um And how do I do that? Well, I've got to make my amends, right? So that I can hear from God because all the stuff I've done that I've left unfixed kind of clogs a channel like a drain. It's clogged. You know, the clear water can't get through. I need to to have a clear channel so that God can use me so that I'm able to, you know, work for his good, for his purpose. So, okay, so they continue and tell us, and tell us, don't leave yourself open to being branded a fanatic or a religious bore And it says, what does impress people? A sincere desire to set wrong the right. That's it. I don't need to convince anyone that, oh, you should be in a 12-step program too because it's the greatest thing. We just want to convince them. You know, we just want to fix what we've done wrong. And it says, we tell them, we're in the bottom of 77, we will never get over drinking unless we've done our utmost to straighten out our past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street. We never try to tell him what he should do. His faults aren't discussed. So when we go there, um, we generally say, I'm a compulsive eater. I'm in a 12-step program. And I can never get better unless I clean up my past. And here's the harm that I've done to you. And, you know, I need to make it right. So um, we let them know why we're doing it. And we never, um, we don't discuss their faults. So let's say we're making amends to, our husbands or our kids who, you know, for sure have done like way worse things to us than we ever have to them. Um, LOL. So, but we don't, we don't discuss it. Now is not the time. Now is the time for me to just fix what I've done wrong. There will be a time in the chapter of the family afterwards, they talk about having family discussions. So something my husband and I did for a while is we just said, "Okay, on Sunday nights, that's the time when we can each like bring up if there's anything that's bothering us. But I didn't didn't bring up that idea until I had made my amends for the things I've done wrong. So at this point, we're making amends. We're cleaning up our side of the street. It tells us in nine cases out of 10, the unexpected happens, that it becomes wonderful. It says, um, but it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter if someone throws us out of his office. I literally did once have someone throw me out of his office when I was making amend. It doesn't matter. I cleaned it up. Um, So, But usually people are gracious when i went back to you know the hospital where i'd faked a rape at the time i guess i was i wrote them a letter and they wrote me back a beautiful letter um people i mean after what i'd done like making some rape counselor come out for no reason and all this they sent me a beautiful letter they accepted my apology um and that's what usually happens people wish us well but if they don't It's okay. It's fine. When I made my amends to my ex-boyfriend, I was hoping he would see like, I guess how wonderful I was and want to get back together with me. He didn't. He didn't want anything to do with me. Can't imagine why. Um, But it doesn't matter. I cleaned it up. And maybe me cleaning it up is what opened the way for God to bring my husband into my life. So again, we've got to unblock the channels. Still on page 78, it says that we usually owe money and we cannot drive our, um, we cannot dodge our creditors. We have to do if we can't afford to pay it all at once, we go and we make the amends and we make terms. We say, okay, every week until it's paid off, I will pay you X amount of money. What, what I do with my sponsees, if they have a lot of financial amends. The ASEP, they make a list of all of them. And then we come up with a schedule. Um, they make all the amends right away. But for each for some people, it may be, I'll give this person $5 a week. I'll give this person $5 a week until it's all paid off. We want to make the amend and at least get started. We don't save up until we have all the money. We want to go because that's really how we grow in humility and how we shake off the guilt and the shame that we tend to feel. And it tells us we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. So you know how sometimes people say, well, if, if you picked up, it's always a first step problem. And that is actually that's really not true. Here they're saying, if you have a financial amend that you won't make, you're going to pick up. So if I'm someone who doesn't want to make a financial amend, right? And I'm on step eight and I don't do it and I pick up, um, God forbid. Well, the what I for sure want is a new sponsor who's going to start me at, you know, read the doctor's opinion and start over at step one. No, what I that may be what I would want. What I would need is someone who would say, Write that letter and make the financial amend. So if we're, we're in relapse, um, we want to see why. Where did we fall off the horse? And that's where we get back on. We don't lead the house horse all the way back to the barn and get in there. We see what happened. And not making a financial amend is a big cause of relapse. Okay, then they talk about what if we've committed a crime. Um, I'm not going to give any advice here, because this is such an individual thing that should be discussed with a sponsor and wise counsel. Um, Sometimes if a sponsor doesn't know, you want to talk to someone else, maybe someone who's an attorney in a 12-step program. So No advice on what to do if you've committed a crime and don't know how to make an amend. If you want to call me privately, I may be able to like brainstorm, but I wouldn't give any pat advice on this because it's so different. Um, What they do tell us is they say there's some guiding principles. Again, reminding ourselves we've decided to go to any length for a spiritual experience. Okay, that's the goal. Remember, what's a spirit, spiritual experience? Basically, when God comes in and rewires our hearts so that the things that used to matter to us are different. Our priorities shift. We're not, um, before we used to just care about ourselves, our little plans and schemes. Now we care about others. That's a natural result of working this program. and But that's what we need. When I first came around um, to a real recovery group after six or seven years in a way of not getting better, um, I was told that the Janet that I was would never get better, that I had to become a new person. Um, and I was so desperate to stop binging that it was like, okay, fine. You tell me I have to be a new person, show me how. Um, And that's what this is a spiritual experience. But again, it's not scary, because the book tells us, in finding God, we find ourselves, right, because God created me so he knows what's going to make me happy. He's written it in my heart. So when all the crud is cleared away. You know, there it is like the things that make me happy, and who knew. That, you know, instead of like chasing after people to pay attention to me, helping others would be the thing that would make me happy. And I get to do it. Like, I'm like the luckiest person in the world. So it tells us that, okay, reminding ourselves, we've decided to go to any lengths for a spiritual experience, we ask for strength and direction to do the right thing. And it gives us some general principles. If other people are involved, we want to talk, we want to talk to them. So for instance, if let's say this didn't happen, but let's say it did. So let's say my husband and I robbed a bank together. Again, fiction, just an example, robbed a bank together. And then I got in a 12-step program um, and said, I need to go to the police and confess. Um, I cannot drag my husband into it. Okay. We cannot save our own skin at another person's expense. So we can't drag people into it. We can't confess to something that might implicate someone else. Like, um, I cheated on this exam because, you know, Joe stole the exam from your desk professor. We can't do things like that. We can't implicate other people. But it tells us how important it is to make things right. And they tell the story on page 80 of a man who borrowed money from a rival and then lied about it, said, I didn't borrow money from him. And then the rival, um, his business was ruined. He was ruined. Then this man got sober and he's like, I have to fix this. Um, and he consulted with his wife because now his own business could be ruined. I guess this was a small town where everyone knew everyone. Um, his business could be ruined. He lose his livelihood, like r- ruin his family's reputation. But he said he consulted his wife and his business partner, and this is what he said. He came to the conclusion it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator, guilty of such ruinous slander thinking that one day we are all going to have to stand before our creator and we don't want to have to answer the question why didn't you fix this while you had a chance and here's what else he said he said he saw he had to place the outcome in god's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow what does that mean to place the outcome in God's hands? I think it means we do what we think God would have us. We do the right thing and leave the results up to Him. So we do, we do the right thing and we leave the results up to Him. Then they talk about, well, what if you've had an affair? And again, they're very clear. They don't lay out any specific answer. Like you should always tell your spouse or you should never tell your spouse. Again, they say, seek wise counsel. Always seek wise counsel in a situation like that. Um, then they tell us though, okay, if someone makes an amend like that, how to act afterwards. Um, that we don't, we don't, um, Keep bringing it up. So I think this applies not just to, <clears throat> excuse me, like if someone has an affair, but if our spouse, our kids, our friends apologize for doing something wrong, once they apologize and we've discussed it and it's over, it's over. And we're not supposed to be bringing it up time and time again. You know, the next time someone does something wrong, it's like, Well, yeah, you're doing this now. And remember last month you did whatever it was. We don't do that. And it talks about um, then how to pray for a loved one. Have the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. What would make my husband happy? What would make my kids happy? How can I act that would make them happy? Now, obviously, what would make our kids happy is, you know, we let them eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, be on the phone nonstop, and never have to do their homework. So that's not what they're talking about. You know, they're talking about their ultimate happiness, praying for what's best for other people. And you know, again, they say sometimes an alcoholic says, "All I have to do is keep sober." And they say. No, of course you have to keep sober, but there's more we have to do. And they tell us what we're like in the illness. Bottom of 82, we are like tornadoes roaring our way through the lives of others, breaking hearts, killing relationships, uprooting affections, I'm um, being selfish and inconsiderate. And so they tell us on page 83, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead and we have to take the lead even if the other people's defects are glaring and we pray that god show us patience tolerance kindliness and love and they say this isn't a theory the spiritual life isn't a theory we have to live it so living amends um that's what they're talking about But living amends doesn't take the place of actual amends. If I've hurt someone, I need to make an amend unless making that amend would cause them further harm. And again, this is where we need wise counsel, because it's very easy for any one of us to say, oh, yeah, if I made any of my amends, it would cause more harm. Therefore, I don't have to make any. Or we pick out the hardest ones. So again, wise counsel, but once we make our amends to our family, we have to live it. And that's hard. So that's why it tells us we pray. And what do we pray for? Patience, that I don't have to have everything on my timetable. Tolerance, that I'm able to withstand more things that irritate me. Kindliness, that I'm just plain nice and love. Love, looking to put myself in the other person's shoes, doing self sacrifice for the good of another person. Um, one thing I had to learn when my kids were, I guess they were in middle school, maybe early high school, is I would make them lunch and then the lunch bag would come home and I would see half or all of their lunch there and I would get angry. And I, re- you know, what am I supposed to do in a situation like that? And again, let go of the outcome. As a mom, I felt my job was to make lunch. Whether or not they ate it was not my business. As they got older, I would just say, what do you want to take for lunch for the week? And I'll buy it at the grocery store. And then maybe there were some times where I just said, you can make your own lunch during this season. And you know, then it was up to them. Or I made it out of love as a mom, thinking that's my job. And whether they ate it or not, Not my business. So we want to start finding in our families the ways where we can start practicing patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. And says, there may be some wrongs we can't right, right? Maybe um, if someone's dead, well, if we owe them money, we try to find their next of kin. If we can't do that, maybe we find a charity that they would that they would, you know, appreciate the money being donated to. Sometimes we go and re- we read a letter at someone's grave, um, apologizing for what we've done wrong. And in an amend, I think it's always best to do it in person if we can. If not, the next best would be like FaceTime or Zoom, then a phone call, and then like an email or a letter. Um, And it says, there may be a valid reason for postponement, right? Like if it's October, and you know you're gonna see your family at Thanksgiving and and it would mean more if it was in person, talk to your sponsor, it may be, it may be okay to wait, um, but not too long. And then it tells us we're sensible, tactful, considerate and humble, but not servile or scraping. So what does that mean? It means once I've made my amends, it's done. So, if I apologize, you know, let's say a hard one would be to our teenagers, and I apologize for all the mean things I did, and I did a lot of mean things. Once I did and made my amends, it is done. So, if my kids were ever to bring up, well, you know, you were really mean for years, I'd just say, I know, I'm really sorry. I've made my amends. Is there anything else you need me to do to make amends? But you still need to clean your room or whatever it is, like it's done. We make our amends and then we are free and we can hold our heads high. And then what do they tell us? Bottom of page 83, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. Um, Long recovery treatises have been written on what halfway through means. Doesn't mean halfway through the steps, doesn't mean halfway through our amends, I don't know. I don't think it's important. Um we just want to keep going and make our amends and then it says we will be amazed. Like that's startled in a good way. And what happens? A new freedom, a new happiness. Remember we start getting freedom in step 2. We start getting a little power. And now we have more freedom and a new kind of happiness. A happiness that isn't based on circumstances, but that's based on I'm right with God, like I've set the past straight. I'm okay. Says we won't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. Why? Because remember what it says in the family afterwards, the dark past is my key to how I can help others. Um, I actually had someone come up to someone I sponsored and she's like, I faked a rape too. So what I had done wrong, was used to help someone else, that she could feel comfortable confessing that to me. It says, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Serenity, we learned what that was, right? Back in chapter five, just to the extent that we do as we think God would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So we have learned how to have serenity in any situation, We do what we think God wants us to and we humbly trust him. And then we have peace. There's just peace no matter what. Um, I shared recently, I had a thyroid nodule for a few years. So every year they, you know, get my dutifully go for an ultrasound and they say okay yeah still there fine come back next year for another ult- ultrasound come back well this year they said yeah it's there you need a biopsy um i made my appointment for the biopsy it's a week from today and i have total peace i'm not scared i'm not googling symptoms of thyroid cancer i'm not doing any of that i'm keeping my mind where it should be which is In today, I made my appointment for the biopsy. I'll show up next week and they'll call me with the results and I'll deal with it then. And there's peace. Um, It says, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. I know the anorexics always laugh at that line, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, um, but we can benefit others. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity Will disappear because I'm helping others. If I'm busy helping others, I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. And I don't because then there's joy in my life. Um, We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. It just kind of happens. It's almost like, you know, who knows when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly? He goes into this cocoon and then comes out different. How, How long? who knows? Or, you know, when, when my toddler is suddenly like a little girl. And now I can say when my teenagers are now young adults, it's like, when did this happen? But it does. Our hearts are changed that we care about other people. Self-seeking slips away, just unnoticed, slips away from us. Our whole attitude, that means we get like a hundred percent new attitude and outlook upon life will change. We lose our fear of people. We lose our fear of what people are going to think of us because we're more concerned with what God will think of us. Now it doesn't go away a hundred percent. So if there's someone who's through the steps and it's like, I still care what people think of me, we're all works in progress. Um, But it doesn't have a stronghold on us. Fear of economic insecurity will leave us. Doesn't say we're all going to be millionaires, but it says we're not going to be afraid. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. It's just like, oh yeah, I know what to do in this situation. We just know. Um, we will suddenly realize God is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I couldn't remove my food obsession. Um I couldn't change my heart so that I cared about other people. I couldn't do all this without God's help. God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it says, are these extravagant promises? Yeah, we don't think so. They're not. They're not extravagant. They are like the guarantee of the miracle. And they're being fulfilled sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but always if we work for them. And the final step nine promise, bottom of the page, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol or even food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. Okay, this is really cool, guys. So remember back on page 24, they define what the insanity is that, let me, um, that we are unable to remember at certain times, um, we are unable at certain times to bring into our memory with sufficient force, the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago, we are without defense against the first drink or the first compulsive bite. So um, that's our insanity, right? That we are unable to remember how bad our last binge was. That if I take one cookie, I'm not gonna be able to stop before I eat the whole box. That's insane. That the memories of my cookie binge hangovers can't make it across to my conscious mind when I tell myself I'm just gonna have one. But now sanity has returned. And then it tells us the two parts of sanity. Our sanity has two different parts. One, will seldom be interested in liquor or food not on our food plan. Just, we're not interested. Um, if we're tempted, we recoil as if from a hot flame, right? Now we don't sit there and say, oh, that there's a flame, it's hot. Um, I think I shouldn't touch it. It's automatic. And it says, this happens automatically. We react sanely and normally. Our new attitude toward liquor, or toward food has been given us it's a gift a gift without any thought or effort on our part it just comes that is the miracle of it it is a miracle and I can't think of a better line to end on than that that is the miracle of it and with that I pass thanks